Well, thank you all for joining us here today on Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis, and I have an exciting guest today. Uh, I've been looking forward uh, to having a chat with this gentleman, and uh, it's it's not been easy, but we we have battled through it, and uh, I think you all will enjoy uh, him today. We're joined this week with the CEO of a company that invests in innovative lifestyle, wellness, and life science businesses and high growth potential businesses. Uh, please help us welcome to Plant Profits, Mr. Ed McDermott. He's the CEO of Seed Innovations Limited. Ed, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, Vern. Uh, and yourself? Man, I'm doing good. I'm glad we finally pulled this off. Yeah, it's taken a little while. So sorry, <laughs> it's somewhat my fault. I uh, Obviously, I, I'm sure it's a global thing, but uh, during this month, normally everyone's taking time off. But for some reason, this has been a really busy sort of July, August. Uh, so yeah, it's been kind of kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually think even for the back that I had to change because I had uh, some scheduling issues also. So, well, we're here today and it's awesome that we're here today. Man, look, you got this crazy cool background, you know, uh, investment banker, um, public and private businesses and companies that um, you've been uh, you've had uh, real important roles in and have led. And, um, and, and you, you know, not too long ago, uh, you were um, um, officer at EMMAC, right? EMAC that uh, yeah. Cura uh, bought from you guys uh, in Europe there. And uh, so you've, you've had this journey, man. So, Tell me what I really want to know is the time that you spent before you started investing and, and being part of the, the, the cannabis environment. Um, what was that like making the transition from traditional companies, public and private to cannabinoids? Thanks, Ben. That's a really kind introduction. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, the, the reality in life is, is I've been just seriously fortunate. You know, I've worked really hard, don't get me wrong, but I, I know a lot of people who've worked just as hard and, and some that have worked harder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they haven't been as fortunate as, as me in terms of just sometimes things happen, you know, and you can't control them and you, you've just got to follow paths that for whatever reason your gut tells you to do. And cannabis is a very good example of that in, in my mm. own life. Prior to that, I've, I went down the sort of big corporate route and, and did the investment banking thing, to be honest, because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the truth. I, I, was, I wanted to be a rugby player. So okay. rugby is not as big a deal in Canada and the States as uh, in North America as, as it is in, in Europe. But for me, that was my whole life. I wanted to be a rugby player, and, and I was very fortunate. I managed to, to get to an extremely high level, but okay. um, I was unfortunate to get injured. But in the grand scheme of life, it was probably good fortune because it allowed me to go and do things that I would have come to and probably would have missed uh, and certainly would have started much later in life had it not been for those injuries. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I was never going to be like the Michael Jordan of rugby, you know, so... It was probably not a bad thing. Um, not that I'm the Michael Jordan of business, I wish, but um, I, we won't stop trying. 
No, uh, yeah, so, and, and there's plenty more to go, right? Oh yeah, that's it. You know, I, I know so many people who have you know had pretty regular careers for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden they just become these incredible successes uh, uh, overnight. Right. Seemingly, I mean, obviously there's a big build up to it, but certainly in my particular case, I was, I was, you know, went into banking, didn't really know what or why I was there for. I knew I liked the idea of making money and right. being deemed important, even though really you're just a kind of, you know, one of many ants in the ant nest. And yeah. you know, it's a question of, can you try and get to a slightly more exalted position, which makes you a slightly bigger ant than some of the other ants <laughs> and you maybe get paid a little bit more. Um, and I kind of, I like that out. analogy. I like that. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I was lucky. I met, I was in a, a what is, was a really destructive market in the long run in terms of uh, credit derivatives was the, okay. was the place I started, which as we know, had pretty disastrous consequences for uh, the global economy back in 2008, 2009. Eight. That's right. Uh, and we still feel some, and a lot of people still feel the ramifications of that today. Um, but I was never truly interested in it. I was really, I realized that what I was interested in was trying to build businesses, you know, okay. and actually create something where you employ lots of people. We actually all have a purpose beyond just trying to make money. There's a, you know, there's mm -hmm. problems that we're going out to try and solve. Um, and we've got to find the most efficient way to do that. And the way that gives us the best chance to be able to kind of make a success of it on the other side, both, um, from a reputational point of view, but also from a uh, financial point of view, of course, because you know businesses have to either be able to generate capital, free cash mm -hmm. flow, or they have to be able to raise capital in order to uh, get to a point eventually where they can do that. Um, and I, I was lucky I got to sort of then spend a lot of time in lots of different industries. So real broad exposure, lots of natural resources stuff, mm -hmm. oil and gas mining. Okay. Um, all the way through to sort of weird and wonderful technology businesses. And, and that is actually what kind of drew me into the, the cannabis space. I had a lot of business uh, dealings with, with friends and associates based in North America, particularly in Canada. And they were right. very successful people in Canada, some you know really well-known household name type figures uh, who started talking about investing in cannabis. And I had always thought that it was crazy that, this product that is, you know, you can't walk down the street in London without smelling the product, right? Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, was, was not available. It didn't seem to do incredible amounts of harm. Of course, there'd been, you know, circumstances where you read about negative impacts of say young kids getting hold of products. Um, and, you know, that can happen in anything, whether it be alcohol, you know, that's not to excuse it. It's just to say that these are, real um considerations whenever you go into an industry that you know you think is going to do a lot of good but also you know you have to also bear in mind that there could be some harm caused but anyway i spent a lot of time with these guys they had a lot of success and i got invested very early in in some of the um the the new wave of cannabis players in canada particularly Okay. Uh, companies like New Bearer and some of the other, you know, Auroras mm -hmm. and right. uh, some of the other kind of household <laughs> names, if you like. And, you know, by process of of simply kind of looking around me and, you know, realizing that we, we'd also tried to help these companies a little bit with their potential European expansion. So we had already been looking at 
what was going on in Europe, what could potentially be interesting. You know, we had a market that was going to be some years behind where Canada and the US was, um, but particularly Canada in terms of its federal legalization. And um, we realized that there was no one in Europe who was really doing the vertically integrated, you know, full mm-hmm. spectrum of, of, of um, operations in order to create a real cannabis business that you could control every element of it in theory. And that's what led me to set up EMAC and start yeah. bringing other people in. Ah, got it. Got it. So it all kind of started for you investing in Canada. Yeah, that was that was really yeah. the, the, the main point at which I said, hold on, why the hell are we not doing this in Europe? <laughs> and by the way, we've been helping these guys. We've been going around looking at a lot of sites that maybe were too early for those guys right. because of well, maybe in some cases they were just too small for them. You know, they they had all this, they'd raised all this money and they needed to make significant investments. In our view, we didn't have that problem. We were in the right. situation of, does it work? Can we create effectively a single market through a series of licenses and operating facilities here in Europe? Okay, I think we can do that. Now we need to, you know, we need to speak. Europe's very interesting in terms of its cultural um differences between countries you know and i i know totally. this happens yeah but but europe is really interesting you know you think oh there's this tiny little place you know uh, uh, over in europe and yet they can be so markedly different if you go just a few miles you know yeah. you go over one border to another and everything's different and absolutely and you you know yeah. what's what's interesting about what you just said is that in the united states right every state operates like a whole different country when it comes mm-hmm. to cannabis. So it's very similar from that perspective that what's right here is not necessarily right over here. It makes it a very difficult and expensive business to be in. You know, um, yeah. uh, it, it, it really, really does. Now, hey, we're going to take a quick break, Ed. And when we come back, I really want to talk about cannabis in Europe and the things you guys are investing in. So um, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And my guest today is Ed McDermott. He is the CEO of Seed Innovations Limited. And uh, we'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, Mr. Ed McDermott, CEO of Seed Innovations Limited. Hey, so, Ed, you know, you were just saying before the break that uh, it's very different from one country to another, different cultures, et cetera, and things were very different. Uh, How did you guys get through that? So we we were really fortunate. Yeah. Essentially, because we'd operated in other spaces previously, such as the gaming industry, which actually has a lot of parallels with the way that um, cannabis uh, came to fruition in terms of of legal markets and and new regulation. And we'd worked with people in Germany, we'd worked with people in Portugal, we'd worked with people in Spain. So we had a very good starting point in terms of being able to go after individuals, men and women who we've worked with in the past, who really understood you know, local, you know, think mm-hmm. global, but be local. That mm-hmm. was the kind of the saying we had to the way that we went about our business in Europe. Cultural awareness is such an important thing in my mind. And 
Perhaps it's been a weakness of some of the North American businesses, and I'd, I'd spotted that. You know, I'd, I'd been involved in conversations where we had U.S. guys coming into Germany and saying, "Hey, Germans, this is how we're going to do it, and you know, we're <laughs> going to bring loads of money and stuff, and we're going to do this." But what actually in Europe is really championed is a local hero. So we wanted to try and help create local heroes, and that is, you know, taking people that perhaps already had a bit of a station in certain countries, had already mm-hmm. had experience of working with regulators, knew how to deal with that. Because we, we were at this fast-paced moving situation where we could almost not keep up with how quickly governments were, were rescheduling products. And, you know, we, we always wished we had more time ahead of these changes, but the key was to get the right kind of personnel on, on board. And I always think in any business that you're, if you're one of the business leaders, you want to kind of try and make yourself redundant as quickly as possible. You yeah. know, ultimately, if you create such a strong team and people who are skilled at what they do, and they yeah. like working there and they're incentivized to be there and you know everyone works hard and collectively you can get into a position where you're like oh god actually these guys do it way better than i do um but that's a great thing you know i really that is awesome that. Some, people, some people don't like that i yeah. i love it i think yeah. it means we've done a good job we've brought the right people in and we're going to give our business the best chance of success you know that's that is such a great point. That is uh, servant leadership, man. Is is bringing people through. So, what are some of the challenges uh, did you have in bringing talent to Emac during the early days when you were taking people? I'm sure from traditional industries like you came from, and you bringing them to this new idea, new concept of legal cannabis. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think you have different generations as you do in every yeah. territory. Um, but, you know, in the UK, we had sort of, you know, when I explained to my mum what I was going to do, she was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure yeah. about that. I don't yeah. I don't like that idea. Yeah. You know, oh, drugs, you know, bad people, crime. You know, that was the immediate, um, uh, ram- you know, the, exactly what, what came back. And funny mm-hmm. enough, one of my colleagues, just as an anecdotal story, he... Um, he told his mum what he was going to do. And his mum yeah. went, I think I'll tell people that you're working in the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not going to say cannabis. And, and anyway, about six months later, she'd obviously read up a lot on this and, and got a much better understanding. And not only was she kind of proud of what he was doing, right. but, you know, she actually wanted to try products for okay. some of the ailments that she had. She, so, she came, mom came a long way. In a short period, long of time. way, in a fairly short period of time, and yeah. and that happened with a lot of people. And my mother, similarly, um, okay. my dad thought it was pretty cool. He said, "Look, I totally get it. Makes sense." Um, and we had lots of employees who came from all different spectrums in terms of what, how they felt about the right. product itself and and the ramifications. But I think everyone, largely, who came on board, made themselves comfortable with the idea that not only this could remain as a medical product, but it could also become an adult use product at some point. And I think everyone, you you have to become comfortable with that idea if you're going to go into this space, because, you know, anyone needs to just look at what's happened historically in Canada and what is still ongoing in the US Mm -hmm. with regards to rescheduling this product. And and it's going to keep happening across the world, I believe. Um, And you know, we're still at a really embryonic stage of this market, i.e. a a previously uh, prohibitionist product that's become legal. It's it's inevitable that that it's early. 
I, absolutely. I, I'm fascinated by the people part of it, though. And I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm really curious about you built a successful company, so successful that a big player from the U.S. came to buy, knocked on your door. And uh, and people are so important to that. What were the what are some of the secrets you could share with us about uh, how you were able to really attract and actually know you had the right people on board to be successful? What are some of the, the your methods and your secrets or uh, that that make you successful in that because you're obviously proven successful in that. That's very kind of you to say. I think it, for me and for a lot of the, the team, because you know it wasn't just me. There were other people that came on board really early doors, and you know yeah. they're effectively co-founders. You know they didn't right. necessarily have their name on the team sheet straight away, but you know we we made sure that we were bringing people who were legitimately skilled at multiple things, um, and. Okay. Then there were also very specific roles, you know, like the finance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in every business I've ever worked in, the, the the person who controls finance is probably the most critical person. And mm-hmm. a lot of people go, oh, but if you're an accountant, you can work in any industry. And that, that's true, but you still have to be a damn good accountant and you have to be good at managing people. You have to be good at managing numbers. You have to make sure everything balances out and that for me was a, a a really key item and thankfully we didn't have to go out and do big recruitment runs through agencies and stuff we, we were very lucky that we were able to kind of reach out from within our own group and at any one time in life you'll find lots of people who you know are wanting a change in their life they become right. stale at what they do they may have been mm-hmm. doing it for a long time they're probably very good at it but they don't feel as challenged as they used to. And they feel like they need, you know, they may have moved, ter- you know, they may have moved from a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key for us was basically realizing what our individual shortfalls were. So I know what I'm not good at. I know what I'm good at. And I definitely know mm-hmm. what I'm not good at. Like I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not in a brilliant, like mega detail numbers guy. That's not, yeah. you know, that's not my thing. I'm, I'm more like strategic, how how do we finance this? You know, what is mm-hmm. what does the business look like? What is the actual goal here? How how and how are we going to achieve it? That is, but the actual nuts and bolts and you know the guys and girls who actually put these things together at a sort of minutiae operational level. You know, I can do that for a while, but in the long run, that's not my skill set. So. I know that I need. I know I need a supply chain guy or girl who is mm-hmm. just going to be absolutely on top of it, you know. And I want to have an entire trust in them. So a lot of it is about how do you incentivize people? How do you make them feel part of of something mm-hmm. and an important part of it, not just a sort of cog in the wheel, but that they're owning the space that they have in that country. And I, it, it's maybe not the right thing to do, but I like kind of sports metaphors. And you know, if you use rugby or you use football, American football, for example, if you don't do your job, the guy next to you not only has to do his job, but also has to do a bit of your job. And similarly, the guy, the other guy, the other side of you. So if you can't rely on me to do my job properly, you're not going to be able to do your job properly and equally the the guy, the other side. And then it just has this knock on effect Mm -hmm. that everyone's having to take on stuff that isn't their job. And that creates resentment that creates people getting, you know, hacked off. 
and that's where you get people leaving and retention of, of people is really difficult. So we made sure Absolutely. that we had people that you could rely on from day yeah. one and that they would work hard and that they would show up and they would always be, even if they were only ever operating at 85% of their capability, you knew that that was better than, you know, five or six other people that, that might be similarly gifted, but they, you know, they just had that, that slight extra X factor. And by giving people a platform in which they can sort of say, well, you know what, Ed, I kind of disagree with what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. And this is why, by the way, here's the solution to the thing that I think you're wrong about. That's great. I'm, I'm all is, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anything, let alone everything. So <laughs> it's, it's great. And I think we, we had a team and, a, and, you know, an executive team that, that all kind of operated like that, you know, yeah. always willing to take on board, you know, any good idea, you know, people, it, it, it was great because it gave people outside of work and outside of their working hours, they might be having leisure time, they'll be in the gym and suddenly something pops in their mind. They're just like, this doesn't work because of X, Y, and Z. And then the next day they sort of excitedly come in and say why. And that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's awesome. That is, that is so terrific, man. Um, Look, when we come back, I want to really get into what Seed is doing and what you guys on that team, what you guys are doing. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be um, right back. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. My guest today is Mr. Ed McDermott. He's the CEO of Seed Innovations Limited. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, Mr. Ed McDermott, he's CEO of Seed, excuse me, Seed Innovations Limited. Ed, look, let's talk about Europe and cannabis. So give us a one-minute overview of what's happening in cannabis in Europe today. No problem. So cannabis in Europe is actually going very strongly. I mean, stock okay. markets and, and the sort of investment community might argue differently just because, you know, public market cannabis plays have all been beaten up quite aggressively. Off Everywhere. The back of, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of that's sort of brought upon ourselves and, and some of it's just as a consequence of uh, the, the speed at which rescheduling has happened. But in Europe in general, the market is moving in the right direction. Um, it perhaps slowed down a bit in response, yeah. I think, to America not coming through with federal legalization. I think that would have been a, uh, that's a catalyst for everywhere. Let's be honest, the world okay. followed the US into prohibition, and I believe it will yeah. follow the US out of prohibition. So, but specifically in Europe, you know, it's, it's far less a taboo subject. Um, there's more and more patients on the medical front in terms of recreational. That's still a very small market um, in terms of legal recreation. Of course, illegal recreational product remains uh, very, very strong. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think Europe's still got a long way to go. But there's, there's also the fringe of Europe, which is also becoming quite big. Uh, but, you know, the main players in, in Europe right now in terms of medical product is still Germany and probably the UK, I would say, is actually second to, to Germany. Germany. In terms of Ger Germany. I keep patients. hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about seed. 
what are you in the group? What are you guys investing in? And what what is seed and 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 really why did you put it together? So essentially, seed innovations is uh, a, a, an investment fund that's listed on the London Stock Exchange AIM market, and mm-hmm. it it is actually uh, an inherited uh, fund. So it's a fund okay. that I took over from a former colleague of mine who was actually a Canadian, uh, well-known Canadian investor who was uh, one of the, the founders of Nuvera and was also very involved in MAC, a guy called Lorne Abney. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's quite a few legacy assets in there that are not cannabis-oriented. So we have a gaming asset, for example, and we have uh, a blockchain asset. But okay. Outside of that, largely everything is focused towards life sciences, health and wellness, and a large portion of the portfolio is now geared towards cannabis. Okay. Um, that includes only, we're not allowed to invest in recreational cannabis, so it is only in medical cannabis, and it's only in Europe at this point. Okay. We are also invested in some um, you know, over-the-counter CBD uh, businesses, mm-hmm. uh, but our main three businesses in the in the medical space are a company called little green pharma which is actually australian um huh. they're global but they're australian they're, that's where they started um and i would say they're australian and european they're actually listed on the australian stock exchange um brilliant team of people working on it again vertically integrated um setup they also have a european uh facility in denmark which has mm-hmm. the capability to produce a lot of product they actually bought it from canopy um, then we have another company called Eurox, which is a German business, so local German manufacturing and very specifically focused on the German market um, mm-hmm. at this point in time. Uh, again, brilliant team, uh, a lot of like ex-McKinsey guys, but also lots of people who um, have been in pharmaceutical businesses, non-cannabis. Uh, but yeah, as I said, Europe quite likes a, a, a local champion. so. Europe has become quite a quite an interesting business in terms of uh, the, the relationships that they have and their ability to manufacture products locally. Um, we also have a, invested in a company called Northern Leaf, which is uh, uh, Channel Islands, which is these little kind of tax haven islands not far from the UK. Okay, uh, they're specifically in a territory called Jersey, and they're one of the first uh, UK Home Office licensed. Um, growers in in this territory so they're in the process of building up their facilities to sell products predominantly into the uk and and then uh in due course into further european territories hopefully germany etc etc do you target really early early stage initial we probably have a bit of a mix in some cases we like very early stage so you know kind of startup founder seed level um but we also are very happy to invest in slightly mature businesses, i.e. Little Green Farmer, which is already publicly listed, and, and we invested directly in them, albeit into a private placing that they did. So we had a bit of a, um advantage on the market in terms of getting invested uh, in one of the private discounted placings. Like all of these uh, stories, unfortunately, at the moment, most people who are quoted on a stock exchange have not had a great time over the last six months in terms of share price value. Right, but for me, the you know the main importance of this is what are they doing operationally, and you know we're very happy in the case of particularly in Eurox, um, Northern Leaf, our Jersey company, mm-hmm. and um, 
little green farmer that operationally they're doing a very good job and, and that's what we look for we look for really strong management teams who mm-hmm. have capability of, of you know actually delivering on the promises that they make um and then we will back them and, and more often not continue to back them um as they move forward so yeah. that, that is our goal essentially yeah so thank you for that um do you find that there are common struggles uh, for those handful of companies you just that that you say are operationally doing well, uh, that you just listed, do you find there are common struggles that they're having at this time? Absolutely, and I think yeah. you know one of the common struggles that everyone's having at the moment. In, in well, I say everyone. There are some companies that are very well funded, but most companies are having some form of struggle with raising capital at the moment in what is a, a, a very tricky time, uh, you know, with global markets, uh, right. you know, potential recessions looming and, uh, you know, significant uh, inflation all over the place. So it, it's inevitable that junior companies, small growth companies that rely on cash are having a difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, um, that is everywhere. So what, what did you think and what did, and how is seed looking at the next 12 months? Uh, look, I think it's going to be some of the same themes. I think it's going to be quite tricky uh, in terms of raising capital. Uh, I, d- I don't see that changing immediately. I think it's always tricky in this point of the year, in kind of August, the summer holidays, when people mm-hmm. are kind of away from their desks and hopefully just escaping their business life for, for a bit. Um, but I think a lot of it depends on you know how how much further the supply chain issues not to do with cannabis but in other walks of life in in everything in fact um continue to have impact um obviously energy bills are going to go through the roof so people's investable capital might be somewhat less so i think that's going to be another challenge on top of that you know the way that when you have these kind of wars you know the ukraine uh, russia war situation and you have energy crisis, it takes, you know, governments, and, and let's be honest, a lot of this is politically driven. Right. We need those policymakers to change these laws and to actually action that. And I think yeah. when other things get in the way that are deemed to be more important, and in, in many cases, rightfully so, it can drag that whole thing out. And that can obviously mean that it takes longer for capital to come back into the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, lots of other sectors. <clears throat> and of course, you know, Companies don't go bust. Um, you know, growth companies particularly don't go bust because they don't make a profit. They go bust because they run out of capital. And right. the problem we we may face in in a lot of areas uh, is companies running out of capital and, and finding it very very hard to to survive. So that that's my that's my greatest concern: the the access to capital. Um, okay. Obviously, that's a lot of what I do is is making sure that companies that we really like have access to capital um so certainly we're going to do everything we can for our own companies and thankfully you know the companies that we're investing at this point are in very healthy positions cash wise so we're very fortunate but yeah i think as a result of that i think we're going to see a lot of m a yeah and it might be distressed m a in some cases but i think ultimately in the long run it's going to make for a much better cannabis market uh, both for uh, businesses, investors, and most importantly, consumers. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Now, do, do you think, Ed, that 
that you're going to see more U.S. investment into the European marketplace? Cannabis. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I do. I think it's inevitable. I think what Curaleaf did was very smart. They said, mm-hmm. "Hey, we want to take an early position in Europe. We realize we're not going to go and make enormous amounts of profit anytime soon, and we're probably going to have to invest a little bit more. But mm-hmm. at least we can bring our skills as U.S. operators who are generating, you know, in some cases." certainly hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars of revenue, um, we can take some of those skill sets because as you very correctly said earlier on, they're having to operate as vertically integrated companies within each state. You know, there's this incredible, you know, it's an amazing thing to have these companies having to do every single part of the equation in state. There's no room for streamlining. There's no crossing state lines. Uh, So it's really inefficient. Um, so they've learned how to still have um, growth in a really inefficient market. So if they can bring what I think are more efficiencies to Europe, where we can grow in one country and export to another country, for example, which I think is advantageous, um, you know, it makes sense that they were able to do that. Plus, they have you know much more capital than the vast majority of European companies at this point in time. You know, with some of the debt packages that that these large US companies are able to take on. Um, I, yeah, I'd be really surprised if, if we don't see more uh, M&A into Europe from uh, North American players, particularly uh, the, the US companies. So yeah. I, I'd like to see it for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, and I, I don't see why it wouldn't happen, you know, except that, like you said, this, we're, we're living through a tricky place, tricky time right mm. now. And yeah. Um, uh, and I, I'm also anticipating more M&A activity because of the time that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that uh, as industries evolve, these are normal circumstances that happen in evolving industries, right? And businesses. And uh, yeah, so uh, no surprise, but... Uh, you know, the, the herd will be thin. Um, yeah, it, it makes absolute sense. That's the way, right. you know, most of the biggest companies that we know are buy and build. You know, let's be right. honest, very few companies organically get to a megadom status. So, for example, your Amazons, your Googles, you know, a right. lot of their scale is through acquisition and it makes right. sense. And, you know, in a much smaller case, more smaller version, MAC did exactly the same thing. You know, we, did, we had a lot of, organic things that we could bring to the table, but we mm-hmm. also had acquisition as a major part of our strategy. And, you know, it, it makes sense. And I think, you know, there's a lot of really good companies out there that mm-hmm. many people would have never heard of. You know, many investors would have never heard of because they're in, you know, Germany or Poland or something like that. Um, and these guys are quietly going around their business. They're building really solid operations with really good people. Um, and if you want to be a global company, uh, which I think a lot of these very large American players want to be. And yeah. I think kind of should want to be. Um, yeah, it makes sense that they would become the dominant players globally um, mm-hmm. through the scale that they already possess. And I think, you know, Curaleaf has done a really good job of that. It's very tough with, you know, shareholders always wanting what they specifically want. And of course, they want America to be the number one focus. And I believe it is. But, 
it doesn't mean you can't, you know, you've got to keep an eye on what's out there, what else is out there, because at some point, those same shareholders who want you to be in America will also want you to be a global company. In yeah, it's so tempting. It's, it's, no, yeah. you're right. Exactly. And that'll turn very quickly. And, uh, you know, uh, if you could get there, if you can afford to get there early, you continue to lower the cost of existence. And yeah. yeah. So makes uh, it makes sense. a lot of sense, man. I tell you what, and it's great having you today on the show. My guest today on Plant Profits with Mr. Ed McDermott, CEO of Seed uh, Innovations Limited. And uh, Ed, man, keep keep on keeping on, and I know you will. And, uh, and do you, you get over to the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Do you get over yeah, to we, the U.S.? Yeah. We try to. I mean, with the whole pandemic situation, it's been much tougher to get get to the u.s i haven't actually been to the u.s now for yeah geez nearly, nearly three years which is wow. the longest in a long while yeah um, but i'm definitely looking forward to i'm hoping that i'm actually expecting another child soon so it's kind of it's okay. a difficult time to be traveling but i'm, I'm certainly hoping that uh 2023 see, sees uh, a lot more u.s trips um, oh. because i definitely think uh there's, there's a lot to be excited about there well i'm sure it will man i'm sure it will thank you for joining us here on uh, Plant Profits. And look for uh, all our episodes, all of you uh, of Plant Profits, uh, starting with CannabisRadio.com. It's a great place to go. They're our partner in crime here. And uh, give us a five-star rating, please. And positive reviews on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Look for Plant Profits uh, and iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, everywhere. We are there and follow produce global my company through our social footprint and linkedin insta facebook twitter and finally learn about how we are building companies through uh our network and accessing talent and bringing talent to our clients and and how we're changing the lives of those folks and look for us at protusglobal.com that's p-r-o-t-i-s global.com I am Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Till next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.